0: I'm going to let uh, Noah just take the ring out of the, uh, the microphone, because um, I know that he's a switched on savvy tech person, and he does an amazing job back there. You know, one of the reasons that we're uh, um, asking for people to be a part of the Mount Barker Minister's Fellowship to help the organising of the com- uh, carols committee, is because we have as a church to be able to, to actually help between three to 5,000 people hear the gospel message. I've got to tell you, that takes planning, that takes strategy, that takes preparation to be able to do that. And we need now to be organising that event when you consider that we have that number of people come out from our community to be able to do something. So if you have an ability to be able to do that, uh, if you have an organisational skill to be able to plan, promote and then participate uh, in helping us to run that, come and see me afterwards. Because I believe that uh, we as a church can have a dramatic impact in our community as we are a part of the Minister's Fellowship in uh, helping to get that event up and running. Who wouldn't want to be a part of influencing three to 5,000 people with the gospel message? I think that's just an amazing opportunity. That's our vision. We partner together with people to do that. So just want to really commit that to you this morning. But we're into part four of the four cups this morning. And I uh, pray, Father, that you'd use me to be able to impart your truths, your wisdom, your understanding through me into the hearts of your people so that we can embrace your truth and truly live as you want us to live in Jesus' mighty name this morning. Everybody said... Amen. There are some sermon notes this morning. If you haven't got any sermon notes, if you would put your hand up, we will make sure that our wonderfully good-looking, amazing hosts will get some of those sermon notes into your hands this morning. You will need a pen. There are some blanks that you'll need to fill in. And I'll give you those blanks as we move through this morning's message. We're all on a spiritual journey. I don't know if you know that. Uh, We believe that our lives could and should be more fulfilling than they are today. And if you believe this, then I want to tell you this morning that you're in the right place because God has brought you to this place to hear this message this morning and I believe that God is going to speak some things into your hearts. As I said, this is part four. In part one, we looked at uh, the fact that God's made some promises and He always, everyone say always, He always keeps His promises. In part two, we looked at Christ as our Passover Lamb that's who he is and we went through the uh, the Passover meal on uh, Easter Thursday evening and uh, just an amazing time of, of going through that it was just so impacting And uh, just really touched my life personally and I really do thank Pastor David and Carol Hellyard for coming up and walking us through that. It was just an amazing time. Part three we looked at last week was the cup of sanctification, the cup of salvation and we looked at what that means for us. So here's the four core promises that we're talking about this morning. And this series is birthed out of uh, Pastor Chris Hodges' book, The Four Cups. If uh, you don't have a copy of that, I would encourage you to purchase one. Uh, they are available through Amazon, Kindle, uh, eBay. Uh, you probably get them at Toy World. I don't know, but uh, uh, just uh, really encourage you to get some. That'll be uh, uh, they're the just an amazing book that has helped us uh, tremendously. So this is what uh, the the four promises are. They come out of Exodus chapter six, verses six to seven. It says this: Therefore, say to the Israelites, and this is God speaking. He says, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from, the slaves, from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I'll be your God. Then you'll know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. God's plan for us is that we would experience... Four promises. These four promises that we're talking about. Can anyone tell me what the first promise was? Put your hand up, nice and tall. Got a little gift. Can anyone tell me what the first one is? Christiane's got a hand up. Oh, salvation. Just wanna there you go. There's for you. Cool. Who can tell me what the second one is? David, freedom, Freedom. very close though, you've got a book, okay, okay, who can tell me what the third one is, Andy, redemption, thank you very much, excuse me, who can tell me what the fourth one is, Uh, Sharon, absolutely, I won't throw this at you, God's plan for us is one of salvation, it is one of freedom, it is one of restoration and it's one of fulfillment or redemption is the third one. It is a great plan. So today what we're going to be talking about, we talked last week about the first cup, the cup of sanctification, this week we're talking about the cup of deliverance, of freedom. I I, I want to tell you I'm deliberately starting slow, okay, because I'm likely to get fired up about this one okay I'm just like building I I, I just feel God saying to me this morning that just start slow and just kick this into gear and and I I don't know about you but if you've ever been to the drag races you sit there on the front on the start line and you're spinning your wheels and then you engage the clutch you step on the loud pedal and you step on the clutch and you release the clutch you engage the gears and you launch this sucker down the road And that's what's going to happen this morning. I feel myself here at the moment. I'm spinning my wheels and I'm about to engage the clutch. I've got a quiver in my liver. God's promised to free us not just to get us out of Egypt. See, last week was all about getting us out of Egypt. It's all about releasing us from the slavery, the bondage and stuff that we were subjected to. God wanted us out of that place to come into relationship with Him and that was the first cup of salvation. This week we're talking about getting Egypt out of us. Because it's great to be out of Egypt, and we can be out of Egypt, we can walk out of Egypt, but quite often there's a lot of Egypt still within us. And what we need to do is to address the Egypt that's still within us. So you're with me this morning. So in Exodus chapter 6, he says to us specifically, I will free you. See, God promised to deliver the children of Israel from being slaves. You know, and, he, and that's what he, he did. But why was it necessary that after he'd already been set free from Egypt? Because this is the reason why. Even though they weren't slaves anymore, they still acted, they still thought, and they still behaved like a slave. Is that any different from us in our lives? We can be free spiritually, living for God and going to heaven, yet still be bound in chains, in bondage and living like a slave in our own world. We're saved. There's no doubt about that. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm creating a doubt about your salvation. It's not That salvation is a done deal. But we're still living like a slave. We're still living with an old mindset that we have to do things a certain way And that's not true anymore because God has set us free. I'm going to get excited. Very, very shortly. See, the Israelites were out of Egypt, but there was a little bit of Egypt still in them. They were headed to the promised land and they'd been freed, but they still acted like slaves. Their thinking was messed up. They had a wrong view of themselves. They had a wrong view of themselves. Many of us are going to heaven, but we're still plagued by habits, by addictions, and by attitudes that are from Egypt. They're not from the kingdom. And what we need to do is to get rid of the Egypt that's still within us, to embrace the kingdom mentality, the kingdom mindset that's going to help us to walk in true, liberated, unquestionable freedom this morning. See, the cup of deliverance for, is, is for anyone who's struggling with their sinful nature. Let me tell you now, just as, as Haley was so honest and transparent and vulnerable during the communion, I've got to tell you, I'm dealing with issues too. I'm still living with some of Egypt in me, but I'm on a journey. Can I suggest that we're all on a journey this morning? Can I say to us this morning, that's still a little bit of it. It's nothing to be frightened of. It's nothing to be ashamed of. The enemy would try to say, you don't need to tell anybody about this. Let's keep it between you and me. Let's hide it. But don't. Let's deal with it. Let's bring it out into the light. Let's address these issues within us so that we can walk in the freedom that God has got for us. See, deliverance is different from from salvation. And this is what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about deliverance, the cup of deliverance. See, salvation takes care of our eternity, but deliverance determines the quality of life here on earth. Huge difference. See, the salvation, the first cup, is instant. It's something that just ha- instantly happens. You know, our spirit is instantly made perfect. Our spirit is instantly set free. But deliverance, the second cup, is a process see the first cup is all about God it's his free gift it stands alone it's called grace in Ephesians 2 8 to 9 God saved us by his grace when we believed You, you can't take credit for this it's a gift from God salvation isn't a reward for the good things that we've done so that none of us can boast about it you see, the first cup is all about grace, it's, and all we had to do was to believe, but it's only after we've taken of the first cup that we can drink from the second cup. See, second cup is, is, is works God's grace out in our lives, and all we've got to do is to behave. See, first comes the believing, then comes the behavior. Right believing leads to right behavior. Come on, I'm preaching better than you responding this morning, I can tell you. <laughs> We need to understand this. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, it says, work hard. Everyone say that. Work hard. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them to work hard, baby. Come on. <laughs> work hard, baby. Get it together. Work hard. It says, work, what are we going to do? This is it. Listen to this. It says, work hard to show the Results of your salvation. Not to earn it, but to show the results. The result what work hard from your believing. Our behavior comes from our believing. Whoa, come on. See a It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Right believing produces right behavior. So the second cup is all about us changing. God doesn't need to. We do. There's some things in our lives, our behaviours, our attitudes, our belief set that needs to change. It's a little bit of Egypt and it's got to come out. This is why sometimes it's called the cup of deliverance. You know, you don't need the head spinning pea soup sort of like happening about deliverance. Sometimes it's just about getting some stuff out. That's what we think deliverance is. It's not all about that. It's about working some of this Egypt stuff out of us so that we can live a kingdom life. So how does this work? I'm glad you've asked. See, this is the thing. We are a triune being. Now, what does that mean? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are three in one. Okay, I stand before you as a person who's three in one. Okay, I'm a father. I'm a son and I'm a husband. I'm a three triune being. Okay, I I, I have a, 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 a uh, what you see part of me is my spirit. It's coming. Up. The words that you're set, you're hearing are my spirit. Okay, there's this whole area where I'm a triune being. So what does it mean? As spirit, there's three parts of it. We are our spirit, we are soul, and we are body. Okay, and, and in Thessalonians, I think it got put into the right way because a lot of the time we live body, sp- uh, soul, and spirit. Okay, we le- we're led by our flesh. And however, I, you know, I, I just want to do what makes me feel good, and that's how I lead my life. I, my, my body leads my soul, it leads my spirit. But then in Thessalonians, it got turned on its head, and now we're led by spirit, soul, and body. So we should be what, the, what that's saying is that I need to, to have my spirit in such a place that it leads the rest of my body, my, 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 my life, my, my whole thinking, my attitudes are led by my spirit. And my spirit is the part that connects with God. My soul is my will and emotions and stuff like that. It's gonna be swayed, whichever talks loudest. You see, my body talks, it's the bits that's connected to the world through my five senses. You know, touch, smell, stuff and other things like that. It's whatever makes me feel good. If whatever makes me feel good has a louder voice than my spirit, then I'm just gonna do what my flesh wants to do. Are you with me this morning or am I talking too fast? Are you okay with this? If I'm talking too fast, get the podcast. Download it, it's great, it's free. They say nothing's for free these days. Well, this one is. So this is the deal, see. A strong faith helps us to cope with life and it lessens the impact of stress in our lives. See, without a strong personal faith, we resort to our own resources to cope with life through addictions and other methods of escape. I don't want to deal with that. I'll just do something else to avoid that. I'll turn my back on that. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, our beliefs and our attitudes, when they are led by a strong personal faith, in other words, our spirit person, okay it plays a major role in our thinking and our living patterns and we'll either believe what God says or what our body or our emotions tell us to do. What is leading you today? Who's leading you today? How are you being led? Is your body leading and calling the shots? Or is your spirit calling the shots this morning? This is what we're talking about is deliverance. Are you with me this morning? This is, you know, this is, this is great stuff. I might get the podcast myself. See, when we get saved, our spirit is renewed and it's empowered. It's the cup of salvation. It's an instant God thing making our spirit perfect, but our natural man needs some work. Now the rest of us has to play catch-up. Our spirit can now influence our soul and our body. What do I mean by that? I'm going to borrow my faithful sidekick, Karate. He's going to come up this morning. Let's give Paul a hand this morning. He's a good-looking, fantastic person. In your notes... This is the passion translation of this passage. A lot of the times we, we hear that, you know, uh, whomever the sun sets free is free indeed and stuff like that. This, I want you to hear a different slant on this because I believe that it'll help you to understand even more what this passage means. So in John chapter 8 verses 31 to 32, it says, Jesus said to those who believed him. So these people trust God. He's talking to people who already trust him. They believe in who he is. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. Where'd that come from? So Jesus said to those who believed him, when you continue to embrace all I teach. Did you catch that? Here, sorry, is the teaching that Jesus is talking about. When I choose to embrace... Understand what I'm saying when I embrace, when I embrace, he says, All I teach, you'll prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. What does that mean? Does it mean that suddenly all this truth, God's just going to say, Oh, I'm just going to invent new truth for you? No. It's the truth that he's already said will be released into our lives through the word of God. God's word is God's truth. When we start to embrace all that he teaches, suddenly what happens is the truth that I already know is released in my life. A lot of you already know the things that you need to do to strengthen your spirit. But when you embrace that and you say, I'm going to do this, that's when you're going to start to see breakthrough. That's when you're going to start to see things change and turn around in your relationships, in your finances, in your health. God is going to do something powerful. In verse 36, he says this, So if the revelation of being a son... In, in the actual Aramaic, it says, uh, it, so if the revelation of the Son, capital S, S O N, sets you free from sin, then become a true Son and unquestionably free. Do you understand what? When you have a revelation, a revelation, you suddenly see Jesus for who he is. All of a sudden, you realize the freedom that He's brought us into. We forsake and get rid of the Egypt, and we take a hold of the kingdom, because the kingdom of God is where it is within me. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is within me. So, we are. Where do we invite Jesus to come into our lives, into our hearts? You see, my mind has a capacity. There's a, I believe that there's a finite capacity. You could fill this mind of mine up, this brain of mine up, as big or as little as you want it to be. I mean, you can fill it up with so much knowledge. And at, the, at some point, it's going to reach a capacity and you can't fit any more into it. But there is an infinite capacity of the heart to love. That's why we invite Jesus into our heart. It's a heart decision that we make. All of a sudden, when we have this revelation of who Jesus is and who he has made us to be, we can experience this incredible life of freedom. Right believing produces right behaving. Let me explain it this way. Okay? Just for argument's sake. Okay? I'm a bird. Feathers. Feathers okay, just, just checking, feathers, I'm in this cage and one day Jesus comes along, he says, Gary, you've been in that cage long enough, you've been captive long enough, he comes along and he opens up the cage door, he says, he whom the son has set free is free indeed, praise God I'm free but I'm still in the cage, It's me that's got to fly out. Church, many of you are stuck in a cage. And it's time to come out. This is the second cup. This is what we're talking about. This is nothing to be ashamed about. This is something to rejoice. Something to shout and scream and... I mean, how many, how many happy this morning? How many? This is a good word? You need to let your face know. Come on. There's, there's something God's doing in our heart this morning. God's doing something in our spirit this morning. And, and some of you need to let the scream out. Some of you need to let the, the shout out about what God's done. Jesus has set us free. We're his sons and his daughters, and it's up to us to walk in his freedom. This will only ever happen if our spirit, our belief, and our faith in God leads our soul and our body. Well, what do you mean? Have a listen to this: Two Corinthians chapter three, verses seventeen to eighteen. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all dot 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 are being transformed. Oh, oh, oh. We are being transformed. We are outworking this in our lives from glory to glory, just as by the same Spirit of the Lord. That we're... We need the Spirit of God to be able to help us to do this. Let's make no mistake about this. There's nothing that I'm going to be able to do on my own, but God's grace not only sets me free instantly, my spirit, but then He empowers me to be able to lead the life that He wants to do to, for me to lead. He, he enables me to get rid of the Egypt in my heart and my life just to be able to take a hold of the kingdom, and I'm being transformed. Being transformed. Being—it's it's an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. And here's the the, the great news. You get to do this for the rest of your life. You know what? We need to cooperate with God. We need to cooperate with God. We need to, you know, when we, when we get saved and allow Him to do the work in us, so our belief and our faith in Him is strengthened and we embrace His truth. Either He's God and he's, His word is true and it's truth, or it's not. Stop messing about. Thank you. Thank you. Here's the thing. We need help to deal with our past. The, the little bit of Egypt that's still in us. That's why as uh, I've been looking at this, this study that I, I'm, I'm going to start to run in the church. It's a 13-week study, group study. Now, if you do that on a fortnightly basis, do the math, it's going to be 26 weeks, okay? This is, I mean, this is going to be separate from connect groups. If the connect groups want to run with this, I will give the leaders the material and they can run with it. But this is something I'm just feeling, and I'm going to get the right person to lead this, but I want people to walk in freedom. And I want to call it a life group, living in freedom every day. 13 weeks could you maybe give yourself 13 weeks or 26 weeks if you do it by a fortnight just saying you know what i want to live in freedom i want this egypt out of me i want to deal with this once and for all and i want to start to live how god wants me to do it's not the end like there's at the end of the course you're, oh suddenly i'm free yippee There's still some work we need to do. We need to apply the Word of God to our lives, but that's what we want to do. This study actually takes us through a process where we deal with three key areas. Number one, victory over sin. The word you need to fill in in your notes is the word sin. Simply defined as the choices that we make. What we do to ourselves, it's our habits, our addictions, our attitudes. Sin, I don't, who's ever found sin can be really discouraging? You know, because we know what we should have done. We want help to be able to deal with it, but we don't feel like we can talk to anyone. And then the enemy comes along and says, heck, how could you do that? You're supposed to be born again. And he accuses us. The Apostle Paul had the same sort of issue. In Romans 7, 21-25, it says, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Thanks be to God. Who what? Who gives me the second cup of deliverance through Christ Jesus our Lord. Many of us need to take these steps of victory once and for all and forsake all the enticements of Egypt. Secondly, this course actually helps us to get healing from wounds. Healing from wounds. Those negative events that have happened to us, what others have done to us, it's usually not our fault. It's just stuff, it's life, it happens to you. A wound can be anything from rejection and divorce. It may be negative experiences, tragedies. It may be words that have been spoken to us and and, and just against us and so much more. You know, the devil's looking for a foothold. And one of the great ways he tries to do that is to try and get into uh, your heart and and create a a relational issue in your life. So he he does it by this. You know, And this is why Paul says uh, that we need to, to take this step. He said, when so when you're having an argument or a tension with someone, they say, don't let sin get a hold of you by the anger that you have. He says in Ephesians 4 verses 26 to 27, don't sin by letting anger control you. In other words, don't respond to the emotion that's going in you and happening within you. Rather, step outside of that and start to be led by your spirit. One of the greatest things, that in, in Luke 17, I think it was, of all the things that the apostles and disciples could have prayed for, pray, you know, increase our faith for raising the dead, for seeing the blind to see and stuff like that. All of, the, the, the only thing they ever asked for, to, the increase of faith was, was in the area of forgiving someone. It's the only time I can ever see the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. How many times have I got to forgive him? Don't give the devil a foothold in your relationships. Don't let anger control your responses. For many of us, the pain of our past is limiting our future and it's time to trust God. Third thing we need to do in this course will help us to do is to take authority over the enemy. Who wants to take authority over the enemy? You've already got it. Many of us are trapped in our problems and our past, not because of sin or wounds, but rather because the, there's an enemy who just wants to, to, to ruin our lives. Whether we like it or not, we have an enemy. And all throughout Scripture, we hear warnings to be alert. The enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion to see whom he can devour. But praise God, I'm part of the, lion, uh, the tribe of the Lion of Judah. My lion's bigger than your lion. enjoy that God's given us authority over him and we need to learn how to use it in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 to 12 I love this the armor of God could God be saying something today finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand Against the enemy's schemes, the devil's schemes. For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against the enemy. I believe, actually, that we're not fighting against people. We should be fighting for people. That's my, con- my personal conviction out of this. Paul is saying to us, you're not fighting people. You need to be fighting for people against the enemy. See, the people that you're having tension with and discord and conflict with are the very people that you need in your life to help to start to establish the kingdom of God. It's so one of the things that Jesus said in his prayer is, Lord, let them see us working together, praying for everybody. You know, like He's just praying for those who despitefully use you and all that. This is a big challenge for all of us. So how do we drink from this second cup of deliverance? Some of us need this promise of life in our, in our, uh, of God from our, in our life to live a life of freedom. See, cups three and four won't work until you've been healed and delivered. Some of us need this cup, and we need to spend some time in this and do this. And I encourage I'm going to talk about all this, the, the cups three and four, in the time to come. But as a, as, a, as a group of people, we need to spend some time in this before we move on to finding out exactly what our purpose is. The cup of restoration and the cup of fulfillment, which is the fourth cup. We can't go on to tomorrow until we've settled our yesterday. The enemy would love for us to stay stuck in cup two to spend the rest of our lives looking in the rear mirror where we're always plagued by our problems and our yesterdays. But God has more promises for us. He's promised to restore us and to bring fulfillment to our lives, but only after we drink from the cup of deliverance, which is what we're talking about here. Romans 8 verses 1 to 2 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death don't let condemnation stop us this morning we all have issues we've all got problems but notice the secret to overcoming he says in Romans 8 verses 5 to 6 those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about the sinful things But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The battlefield's in the mind. Who are you going to believe? It's important that we have a new positive godly influence in our life. We must break away from our old influences. We've got to get out of Egypt. We've got to get out of Egypt. We've got to leave Egypt behind. The question becomes, how are we going to do that? This is it. Relationships are the key. Relationships are the key. You need to write that in your notes this morning. And then circle it, underline it, highlight it relationships are the key it makes sense doesn't it that if we have an issue how do we want to deal with it i praise god for Haley and the courage it took her to stand up here and to transparently reveal where she was at but what i noticed was she didn't individually go into the issues of her life on a public platform why because she needed to phone a friend am i right it's not a 50 50 choice we needed to phone a friend. Haley needs to phone a friend. She needs someone in, in her life that she can be honest with and transparent. Someone who loves God. Huge point right there. Loves God, but who also loves her. That when she starts to be honest, the person's not going to turn around and say, Really, you do that? you're kidding, I don't want nothing to do with you, and walks away. But someone who she can bear her soul with, and I could bear my soul with, because let's let's bring this down to brass tacks, I'm dealing with this stuff in my life, I need someone who I can go to and say, if I really show you who I am, will you still like me? And that's the number one thing that the devil wants you to stay away from. Is an open, honest, transparent relationship with someone that you can truly bear your heart with and who still loves you at the end and embraces you and says, we're going to do this together. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, can I have a couple of more minutes? I know that it's gone past 11.30, but are you okay with this? Could someone just pop out to Kids Church and let them know 10 minutes. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says this. He who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And some might say, well, I thought we confessed to God. Well, we do, and we don't. Depends on the circumstance and the situation. Confess to God and receive forgiveness. One John one verse nine says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We can do that with God, but you know what? Jesus actually said to his disciples, If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. And if you withhold any forgiveness to someone who's sinned, then it will be withdrawn. What incredible power God's given to us, I can tell you. But there's also this confession that we can make to one another. James 5 verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, it's why it's so important that we have the right people around us. It actually positions us to drink from the second cup of deliverance and to walk free in healing towards our purpose, the cup of restoration. Since relationships are such a huge key, because they provide us with the new influences, let me give us three next steps for us to take this morning. You ready for three next steps? All of this is about going public with our faith and it involves other people. Number one, go through the waters of baptism. It's a public declaration. It doesn't save us, but it lets the world know that we are saved. We're identifying with Christ's death, burial and resurrection. Some of you maybe feel that because of the way that you've led life and the journey that you've been on, It's been very up and down that you feel maybe this morning. I'd like to do that again. Talk to me afterwards. Maybe you've never done it. Talk to me afterwards. Let's make a time for this to happen. Because there's nothing greater, a greater celebration than making a public declaration. I've given my heart to Jesus and I'm going through the waters. Acts chapter 2 verse 41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized. Baptized. Acts 8.12 says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts 8.13, Simon himself believed and was baptized. You may never have done this before, but let me encourage you. Maybe you're feeling that you need to. Come and talk to me. Let's make it a celebration service. Secondly, this is our next steps. Okay, Planted in partnership with a church. Planted in partnership with the church. Get plugged in to a spiritual family. Plant yourself in a church. I'm not talking about being a member of church, but partnering with a church. See, membership implies that I've got all these benefits, but I don't have to do anything apart from pay a fee. Partnership says, we're going to do this together. We're going to do this together. We as a church are currently looking at changing from membership to partnership because we believe there's a greater level of accountability and blessing and benefits that flow both ways for us to be able to accomplish what God has called us to do as a church. You know what? I'm going to put it right out there. Why not join this one? I think this is a great church. Unfortunately, it's the best-kept secret in the Adelaide Hills. <laughs> I could go into my Faulty Towers routine then. If you've never seen Fawlty Towers, you need to see it. It's a great show. Why am I saying you need to be planted? Have a listen to this. This is not me talking. I didn't make this up. This is God's word. Psalm 92 verses 13 to 12 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. What does that mean? It means you're putting your roots down. It means this is where you get your nourishment. This is where you get watered. This is where you're going to produce fruit. This is where you're going to start to reproduce in your life. Greater fruit, fruit, sorry, giant zucchinis. (laughs) Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Sorry. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. Everyone needs to be part of a local church. If you're new here, make a decision. Plant yourself in this house because I believe that you'll flourish. But not because I've said so, but because God's word says so. Thirdly, commit to a connect group. Commit to a connect group. Commit, c- 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 commit, commitment. I don't know what come over me. Then I said the word commit. It's critical. Why is it critical? Listen to this: One Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Don't be misled. So there's an opportunity that sometimes you can be misled. He says, Paul says to this church, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That's why you need to be in a connect group. Our friends' choices will determine our future if they're the wrong friends. Do you want your friends to determine your future? We need people around us with whom we can connect, protect, and grow together with. That's the purpose of our connect groups. That's why in order to drink from the cup of deliverance, we're going to need another follower of Christ involved. One who loves us and cares about us. All of our connect groups are, going, uh, are in places where we can work on this second cup of deliverance, the cup of freedom. They're all doing this four-cup study. But maybe you know, if, if you as a connect group want to do this life study, living in freedom every day, come and talk to me. I'll give it, I've got all the resources already. The videos that go with it, the workbooks that go with it, it's going to cost you nothing apart from 26 weeks of work and a lifetime of living it out. That's a great deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is it. This is, this is it this morning. My question to all of us is in this relationships are key area is this. Needing that person in our life. Needing that person that's going to like us even after we bear our soul. This morning, who is that person for you? Let's stand.